Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good football Friday, a summer football Friday here on Birds 365. Everybody's taking downtime. Not your boys at Birds 365. McMullen McDonald here, present and accounted for for the 550th time. Whoa, 550. I like nice. those landmarks. 550. I nice like round it. number for uh, Mac and Mac here on Birds 365. We'll hang with you for the next couple hours. And we got two good guests, uh, Philly guys, coming your way. Uh, Johnny Mac, here's where I want to start today. Not on the show, not featured on the show today, but featured often is your boy Ed Kratz, a uh, fellow scribe from Sports Illustrated, who over the last couple of days put up the most underrated Philadelphia Eagle going into the 2023 season. And there is no wrong answer here. You can 
debate it, you can say don't agree, but there really is no wrong answer because it's a very subjective question. And it all depends on how you define in your own mind, underrated, different people will look at that differently. Who does Johnny Mac have as the most underrated Philadelphia going into 2020? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you're right. It's about, I, I know Ed want the more sort of under, you know, the guys who don't, aren't a big part of the team. Um, so I would have kind of a different uh, definition. Like, I think the most underrated Eagle is Josh Sweat, who's a really um, big part of the team. He made the Pro Bowl. And so everybody knows he's a good player, but I don't think everybody knows he's a really good player. Really. I mean, really good player. And I think from that standpoint, he's underrated. Ed went more, you know, I think he won Jack Driscoll, uh, uh, number one, who's, you know, a, a good player, six man, so to speak on the offensive line can play every position, but center. So he's sort of, got a different definition than me, but I think, you know, I think Josh Sweat is there with everybody we always talk about, you know, obviously the quarterback and, um, you know, AJ Browns, Devontae Smiths, Dallas Goddard's like, he's in that, he's, he's that kind of player. I don't think people look at him that way is, is why I put him in that category. I like your pick. I like Ed's pick because, as I said, it all comes down to your own definition of what's underrated, starters, subs, uh, different people can interpret it differently. i give you the guy who I would say, even over Josh Wett, who I think is a very good pick. Um, I would say it's Advante Maddox because you got your three corner, you got your two outside guys, decorated, pro bowl, blah, blah, getting paid big bucks. Avante's in the slot. And oh, by the way, in today's NFL slot means you're on the field about what? 85, 90% of the time. The slot corner does not come off the field very often in the NFL these days. Now the thing working against Avante is he does get hurt and he misses games, but that helps to make the point of the most underrated player because last year when he was off the field, that meant Josiah Scott was on the field. Do I have to remind you of third and 30 conversion against the Dallas Cowboys? Ouch. That one stung. Uh, because he's in the slot, because he's not uh, on the outside facing off against the other team's best receiver. And oh, by the way, uh, that's one thing you'll see against the Eagles. They don't really force outside wide receivers into the slot. Some teams will do that that they'll specifically pick on your slot corner if they think they get a better matchup and a guy can swing from outside to inside. They don't do that against Eagles. Why? Because Avante Maddox is that good at covering in the slot corner. It's got to stay on the field this year. Got to cut down on the injuries. But I would say Avante Maddox, most underrated Philadelphia. No, I think that's a good choice as well. Um, I, I can't, you know, he's a very good player. I think, as you pointed out, you, you, you're correct. You saw the difference when he was on the field, when he was off the field. Uh, I would add, too, that in this scheme, in this philosophy that we always talk about, you know, when we talk about the – we always talk about plus one on offense, the plus one on defense. That's the whole thought process of this scheme, to have the extra guy in coverage. And the most important part of all the coverage schemes is the slot corner, the nickelback. That's, that's sort of the guy – 
in obvious passing situations where everything is based off the coverage. So it's a really important position in this philosophy, um, really important player. So, yeah, I mean, he'd be at the top of my list. Um, I just think, you know, Josh is a little bit better at his particular position. Um, but Avante is a very good player um, and a very important player. Um, and you know, one of my, one of my, what are the weird things about Avante Maddox going all the way back to um, when he was a rookie and was forced to to move to safety for a short term uh, because of injuries? Everybody, well, why don't you put Avante at safety? Why don't you put Avante at safety when you have all these safety issues? Why the hell do you want to move from slot corner? It makes no sense to me, but I get those almost every week. You know, when we start talking about Reed Blankenship and Terrell Edmonds and, you know, Sidney Brown, well, why not put Avante Maddox? Because he's more important playing the slot, um, and and it's a more important position in this right. particular defense as well, believe it or not, um, even though um, – on the field a little bit less in the key situations, the, the known pass, as Jonathan Gannon used to call it, um, that that slot corner is really uh, an, an integral piece. Um, so he's going to play slot cornerback and hopefully he's healthy. And the good news is because of the added depth outside, they, they were able to move Zach McPherson finally in the slot. So if, if the injuries do pop up, I think they'll be better equipped this year to handle it because I think Zach is a better player than Josiah Scott, but would still be a significant drop-off. Moving uh, Avante Maddox to slot kind of follows the uh, Jeff Stoutland line of reasoning. Why would you put two question marks out there when you could only put one? Uh, if you move Avante, and I think he'd probably be okay at safety. Yeah, he was but, forced to play it last year, and he played it well. When when you remember that little series when he came back and Chauncey was still hurt and, and Josiah was struggling, and, and so it became, you know, what are we going to do at, at these particular positions? And they played him a little bit of, at safety, and he did play well. But when they were healthy, I mean, and everybody was out there, he's, you know, sometimes you have to do things with injuries. So, you know, the people now, it's Nolan Smith. Well, why not put Nolan Smith in linebacker? No, 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 no. Now, if you have to, you have to. When you get down to 53, you, you if you have a couple injuries and, and you don't have players, then you might say, hey, you got to do it for a little while. Right. Um, but no, not you're you're not especially in the off season when you have 90 players no you're trying to get him up and you're trying to work on his technique and get him to be one of the best edge rushers in football long term um so that kind of stuff is short term necessity thinking and right. he's done it and Avante well. to safety last year was because CJGJ was hurt it, yeah. it wasn't like Let's try this. No, they they got caught in a numbers game, and they said, "Well, what's the best possible scenario, short term, that we can fix this right here, right now?" And that was it. Uh, there's yeah. trying to plan for potential p- problems, and then being faced with those problems on the fly in the middle of a game. They're two different things. Yeah, and you know, we're talking. You know, it was one game really. He played. Um, I'm looking at his. Uh, 
numbers, his snap counts. He played 23 snaps at safety. So it was really one game. And uh, it played four, 408 in the slot. Um, yeah. And then a couple, you know, a couple extra box uh, snaps and things like that. But, um, yeah, he could, you know, he could, it, you know, he's probably their best safety. You know, if you put him back there today, he'd be their best safety. But he's more important as the slot corner. So. Yeah, that doesn't say much about Mr. Edmonds, Mr. Blankenship, if you're going to say that he's their best safety playing slot corner. E, that's that's not what the Eagle fans want to hear. Well, I'm I... just saying what I'm, what, but, but he's a really good player is what I'm saying. So if, if you put him back there, if you had to put him back there, he'd do well. But, yeah, he's more important at slot corner. I, I saw this stat somewhere today, and I give credit to who came up with it. Might have been Dave Zingau and NBC Sports Philly. Um, you mentioned that the Eagles should be better at slot corner this year if Avante Maddox, I almost moved to say when, when Avante, <laughs> Avante Maddox gets hurt. Sorry, Avante, truth's the truth. You've had injuries every year you've been here in Philadelphia. Um, hopefully none and or very little amount of time spent on the, uh, on the sideline. Um, you said that uh, they've kind of committed to making Zach Mack a slot corner. That last year they had him more on the outside, didn't need him because Slay and Bradbury stayed as healthy as they did and thought Josiah Scott was the better option at replacing him. But they're training up Zach Mack at uh, slot corner this year. You know how many uh, snaps Zach, Zach Mack got at slot corner last year? I would I would guess zero. I'd have to look it up. I mean, close he didn't, but incorrect. Um, he he, um, you know, if he did move in, it was probably because of motion on the other side. Um, just sort of not the way the Eagles play. The answer um, I'll, I'll give you the answer. The answer would be one. Out of 250 snaps played yet last year, McPherson was on defense for 250 snaps. One was played at slot corner. That's not a lot of experience, Johnny Mack. One out of 250. Uh, so they're and they've got all off season to work it out. But then again, the Eagles don't work out much during the off season. Um, what makes them think that McPherson can be just a plug and play guy? Now this is as a backup. We're not talking about as a starter. And hopefully Avante Maddox stays healthy and Zach Mack does a great job rooting him on from the sidelines again. But if that injury reoccurs and Zach Mack is thrown in there, what makes him think that he'll just adapt to that position? Um, you know, it's what you do. You evaluate players and you project players. I've been saying for years he looks like a slot corner to me um, when they drafted him. All right, so de- of- hold, on, hold on. Define looks like to me. Well, that, you know, they're different positions. I think, you know, I talk all the time about, um, you know, off-ball linebackers, Sam linebackers, even more um, uh, egregious when people lump that in as linebackers. It's similarly Asan Reddick, you know, versus TJ Edwards. Technically, they play the same position. Uh, And, you know, bands not technically they don't play the same position but i'm saying when you see the the term linebacker next to both of their names you know there's a bunch of fans there's a lot of smart fans who understand the game that know they play different positions 
but it's why you have this Nolan Smith narrative. Well, why can't he play linebacker? He's announced as a linebacker. They're two completely different positions, all-ball linebacker, Sam linebacker, edge rusher, completely different position. Not to that extent, but those are two completely different positions, outside corner, slot corner. Um, and and you need different traits to play in the slot, play outside. Um, you know, inside the slot corner, uh, um, they have a lot more responsibility when it comes to run support. So they got to be, they got to hold up in that aspect of the game. Outside corners tend to be not very good <laughs> run support, to put it mildly, especially, especially in the modern era. They tend to be longer. They tend to be faster. Uh, they need to match up outside with the A.J. Browns of the world um, who play mainly outside the numbers, receivers like that, the Mike Evans is the world, if you think about those guys. Um, so they tend to be longer. They tend to be faster. Uh, inside, you need to deal with the, the sort of option routes. So you got to be very smart. You got to be very savvy. Uh, you have to understand uh, a little bit more about the entire defense. When I mentioned the importance of the position that they always stress, especially in this philosophy, when they play so much match zone, you got to have a better understanding of the linebackers coverage because you're in the mix with them in the middle of the field. You have all these option routes. As I mentioned, you think about the Julian Edelman's, the Wes Welkers, those types of players. Cooper Cup in the slot, Justin Jefferson in the slot. I mean, they'll kill you with these option routes. Um, and it, it, it's it's different. And that's why when people say, well, just put Slay, travel. Well, you travel them from side to side, but you're not going to put them in the slot much. Right. They're different positions. And okay. Uh, you did a great job explaining the difference between uh, being in the slot and being outside. I, maybe I didn't state the question well. What is it about Zach McPherson that you say he's better suited for the slot? Him personally, his traits, what he brings to the field, why do you think it would work in a slot when we've seen him take exactly one slot, snap out of 250 snaps? Well, number play? one, it starts with his physical traits. He's, he's uh, you know, they list him at 5'11". That might be a little bit uh, um, generous. I don't know. But uh, he's from. If you look at Abante, Abante's five nine. Yeah, he's uh, not uh, big uh, at all. Um, when you're when you're when you're under six feet, um, um, and not you know because there's a lot of guys like Wood, uh, uh, the kid in Seattle's like six four, which is ridiculous. But um, you got to have length to play outside for the most part. So you start with the physical traits, and that's why I said he looks like a slot cornerback to me. That's what I'm talking about from a physical perspective. It's pretty clear the Eagles agreed. Um, they just couldn't move him inside because they didn't have any backup outside corners. Now look at who they drafted, uh, Calais Ringo. Fast, long, length, outside corner. They signed Greedy Williams, former second-round pick, 6'2", long, very fast, outside corner. Now they can move Zach McPherson in. It's not to do with what he's played. It's got to do with his physical traits. Is he going to live up to Avante Maddox? No. Is he better than Josiah Scott, who, by the way, Josiah Scott 
has the exact same measurements of Abante Maddox. It's about the physical traits of the player. And to me, Zach McPherson has always, since day one that I saw him, has always looked like a slot corner to me. Well, he's going to get a chance to be the backup slot corner this year, and we'll see if he can get the job done better than Josiah Scott last year. Yeah, I think he's got a pretty good chance to accomplish that. Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Got two good guests coming away. The first of which is going to join us coming up in a couple of minutes. If you have had your Jacob Media YouTube channel on today, you know who's coming up next. He's here before us uh, here on uh, the Jacob Media YouTube channel. But every once in a while, we get him on and grill him. Make sure he's staying up with his Eagle knowledge. That would be one Mark Farzetta of the Fargy Show and Eagles pregame show here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. He joins us next on Birds 365. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the stakes and the stakes, go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean, visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left, I fake a mom. Mama, go up, up, up! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh.
Football Friday here on Birds 365. You got Mac and Mac McMullen and McDonald. And we are joined by one Mark Farzetta from the Farzy Studios. How's your summer going, Farzy? Uh, it was going great up until yesterday where I participated. I didn't get it. You know, I didn't talk football yesterday. I played football yesterday. Yeah, man. I Well, oh. you know, you don't have the ego of Kincaid, so Kincaid's <laughs> posting its highlights. I didn't see any Barzetta highlights. Uh, that's because I had to go back. Uh, Kevin Kincaid was on my team yesterday. Love Kevin. He's a great dude. Uh, there's great work over across. He brought it all that. But, man, he was definitely showing me up yesterday. Um, he uh, had a couple touchdowns for us yesterday. I I did, admittedly so, post a touchdown pass from four years ago that I threw to my man uh, Crockett, uh, radio personality Crockett. And um, I will just say this. Four years ago, I wasn't really sore. Um, this year, I am really sore. sore. Yeah. <laughs> it well, was a lot bubble, of fun. Yeah. That bubble's brutal, man. Oh, the, yeah. The difference between the turf and the and the grass, man, it's, it's real. It it's was, real. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was great though. I was representing uh, Team Chop, so we were all about the kids. Man, we we're all about the children yesterday. I, I, I wish I could have given them a better performance, but uh, it was a rough day. It was a rough day for uh, so Team the Chop. Cannon, the cannon didn't get to show off. Mark the cannon Farzetta. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'll tell you this, Dave, who does a great job of doing all the PR and marketing uh, for NRG, really loves this flag football game. He goes all out. He gives nicknames to players and all that stuff. And on my scouting report, you know, they called me the cannon because of that uh, that, that throw I made a couple of years ago. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to really show off the cannon this year. It was uh, it was definitely not the cannon. It was more well, like the that bubble. You, you know, that served bubble. you as the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, we had a 10-year NRG veteran uh, who I will not out, but he um, he took over a lot of the responsibilities of play calling, uh, coaching for the most part. A.J. Feely was our coach. Um, yeah, uh, he was our coach, nice. um, uh, but uh, it was good to see him, good to catch up with him. But uh, yeah, we had, we had a gentleman kind of run the show for us yesterday, so I was a mere cog in the way. I was just there to help the ball club. In any way that I could. Team guy. Team somehow, guy. somehow as a cog, you came up uh, painful today. <laughs> I guess they ripped those flags out a little too uh, harshly. Oh, it was vicious. It was vicious, man. Yeah, really aggressive. Uh, but good on you for getting out and uh, raising some uh, money for a very good cause. Sure. I uh, ran this by Johnny uh, Mac first segment. And uh, if you haven't given us any thought, take a second if you just want to come up with a name. Who's the most underrated player on the Philadelphia Eagles going into the 2023 season? Ooh, I love underrated player. Uh, if I got to go underrated, I got to go with Reed Blankenship. Wow. Because I think, right. I, think, I think Reed Blankenship is going to show you that he's not going to be an all-pro safety. He's not going to be a pro bowler. But I think you are actually going to step up in that position slightly from what you saw last year. I think Reed Blankenship showed you a lot in his rookie campaign. Wow. Johnny Mack, yeah. I, I know you and I have talked about this before, about how you know the M.O. on him for a lot of people, myself included, for a time before you educated me on the situation. Reed Blankenship went in that third preseason game, and that's why you watch the third preseason game. You want to see who really steps up and really solidifies their spot on the roster. And he absolutely, I thought, absolutely did that. You thought he was a little bit more in the coach's favor than I did going into that game. But I thought, I thought he absolutely, it was the, the stone cold lock that he was going to make the roster out of that game. And not only did he make the roster, 
but he immediately puts Aaron Rodgers in his book. He picks him yeah. up. He comes up with a couple of big hits on Saquon Barkley in the uh, Giants games, including the playoffs. And he went from, in my mind last year, the term serviceable is how you rate a guy that isn't going to hurt you. I think you're going to see him help you a lot more from the strong safety position, if you even want to call it a strong safety position, uh, than what you were able to get last year, for instance. I think you're going to have a, a step up from Marcus Epps. I think Reed Blankenship is going to be playing with a chip on his shoulder because I don't think many people look at him and say, oh, he's going to be more than serviceable. He's going to be a downright – he's going to be a good strong safety for you coming into this season. So if you got Reed locked in, which he very, mel- very well might be, Mark um... – and you want to get Sidney Brown on the field. Terrell Edmonds out. Yeah. Um, on the outs, you mean? Yeah. yeah. It's, I think it's, I, I mean, think it's, you're only possible. paying him 600 grand guaranteed. Mm-hmm. It's one of those deals. Last year was uh, Chikwaski Tart, right? Every, yeah. Oh, Chikwaski Tart. Chikwaski. He started for the 49ers. Good player, recognizable name, mm-hmm. solid on a good defense. Jody and I have talked about this a bunch. We have fans here saying, oh, you got to have Tart. He's the best safety on the field. Best safety on the team. Yeah. Now, coaching staff, he didn't get off the ground with the coaching staff. He didn't get off the freaking third team. (laughs) Edmonds is already on the first team. You know, it's only OTAs, but he's already impressed the coaching staff more. So I don't want to make that comparison. But, you know, are you going to keep him as a backup if he's not the starter? It's like Anthony Harris is the better comp. Like Anthony Harris was going to be the starting safety right up until August 30th when they traded to C.J. Gardner-Johnson, and then he was out because he wasn't going to be a backup, doesn't play special teams, all that kind of stuff. Same thing with Edmonds. If he doesn't win that starting job, is he going to be here? Yeah. Um, the interesting thing with this year is that you already know you're having a guy who doesn't have a lot of experience in Reed Blankenship as one of, as one of your starting safeties. So they might want to go the route of a little bit more experience if they do decide to have that's a guy a like Edwards take over. Yeah. Uh, that's why I was thought. Uh, that's why I thought you were saying it was going to be more a lock in the other direction. Not that he's on the outs, but that he might be a starter. Oh, I think Sydney. he's going to be a starter. Okay. But, but, okay. I, I agree. I, I think he's going to be a starter. Terrell. Sydney Sid- Brown, though. The interesting thing there is that if he just blows you away in training camp, if he really goes out there and shows you that he's worthy of that safety position, you might say, well, hell with experience. I'm just going to go with who's better. And he might yeah. be the guy that ends up winning that spot. And don't get me wrong. I think the Eagles, and I think every Eagles fan also, when you take a draft pick like that uh, for a starting safety, you want somebody to come in and be a starter for you. Sidney Brown could be that guy where he justifies the pick immediately and becomes a starting safety. Now, it's not a first-round pick, obviously, so it's not the same type of stock, but it's still a young player with a good experience in college, obviously, that could come out here and turn a lot of heads in training camp. And if he does that, yes, you're going to have a young, you're going to have an inexperienced secondary, but you're going to have a secondary that can, I think, flat-out ball. And if they could do that, then, yeah, yeah, they might lean in the direction of uh, going with the younger secondary as opposed to going with a uh, more seasoned veteran, if you will. Yeah, I think the guy who's in trouble is Justin Evans. Uh he, yeah. he he was in the mix until they drafted Sidney Brown. Now I think he's on the outside looking in. But what about uh, Kayvon Wallace? Man, <sighs> he, w- yeah. what was the point? Oh, well, you were making earlier about um, moving Devontae Maddox to safety. Kayvon Wallace was there the whole time. And they yeah. said, like, yeah, we don't really want to put Kayvon on the field. So unless he has a killer camp, 
Uh, is he going to spend another year on the practice squad guy? Can they drop him down on the practice? Well, squad? you can, you, you can put veterans on the practice squad. He's never, that's not an issue anymore since they changed the rules, but, um, you know, he's been a big part of the team special teams wise. Once again, everybody, and, and they weren't great on special teams. So the last thing you want to do, I think we can get Farzi out there on special teams if we can get him. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, where he's not yeah. after the game. <laughs> hey. we get him out there making tackles on quarterbacks. Special. Quarterbacks don't play special teams. I mean, you can't put the cannon on special teams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't sacrifice I think we that. determined he's not the cannon anymore. That's why I'm telling you, Farzana, <laughs> yeah. get down there, cover that punt. Well, yeah, special teams. Hey, what, again, whatever helps the ball club and good Lord willing, things will work out. You know what I'm saying? Out of you, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, I, the, just to go back to Kayvon Wallace for a second, the biggest knock against Kayvon Wallace is Reed Blankenship. Like the fact that he was getting the reps and he was getting the starter time yeah. and all that stuff. And it wasn't Kayvon Wallace. Like I look, I think like a lot of people, they were, if not secretly, they were outwardly open, you know, wanting Kayvon Wallace to be the guy because he had a relationship with Brian Dawkins. And wow, it's a safety was, from Clemson. He's exactly. Oh, it was roommate. Well, it was roommates with uh, Doc's son and all yeah. that. So like you had that connection that you would hopefully see, oh, well, he's got the Dawkins connection there. You want to see him as a strong – you want to see him as the free, the free safety or safety for this team. And then you see other guys go up and pass him, and it's just not – it's just there's not there. Like, there's ball. like I, – I, I believe there's like 12 or 13 safeties in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And people are going, oh, he roomed with his son, so maybe, maybe he's going to be number 14. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How many pizzas did they share? How many yeah. pizzas did they share? So that means he's got some of that Doc Gene in him. Uh, uh, yeah, that's a tough one. That is a very tough one. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Reed impressed the coaching staff that day the pads went on. Mm -hmm. That's when they said, whoa, whoa. Yeah. And it's funny because he was a five-year starter in college, which, you know, sometimes they hold it against you. Yeah, usually that's a bad thing. Yeah. Right? Um. So it's that sort of line between he knows how to play versus he might be a little bit too old, a little bit too much tread off the tire. But boy, it worked out short term because he he was their best rookie last year. He was their best rookie. I mean, Jordan uh, Jordan played well and he was playing well mm -hmm. until he got hurt. And then he sort of was on the back burner. Cam didn't play. Kobe didn't play. Reed Blankenship was the best rookie last year. Yeah. No, I, I think I think that's a very fair statement. Um, the other thing that I can look at with him is that, I mean, look, it was one year. Uh, he wasn't the start of the entire season, but it was a good amount of it. Uh, the, the, the things I mentioned, the hits on Saquon Barkley, the, the picks, uh, the pick of uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers is great. But what I look for in, in every rookie, especially one that's like an undrafted guy, for instance, is you just want to look at a guy and see that he belongs. And he did that tenfold last year in everything that he did. And yeah, you put the pads on, and that's when he's most comfortable, when he's able to play fast and physical. And if you're a safety in the NFL, that's when you should be most comfortable is when you can actually hit people. And I remember the same thing, John, that you're referencing when you talk about what uh, Nick Sirianni said about him last year. And I think it was after the pick on Aaron Rodgers, after that Green Bay game, he came out and said all the stuff about five-year starter, about how all the coaches in college said, yeah, no, no, hold on a second. I know that that's usually a knock on somebody, Jody, just like you were saying, 
But this is a guy that we wanted to keep around. This is a guy that wanted to be around, and he wanted to make sure that he got everything he could out of his college experience. And then when he had the opportunity at the NFL level to capitalize on that and show that he could, what he could really do, oh, man, he did that. He looked more than comfortable on the field. He looked like a guy that belonged. He looked like a guy – I was talking about the experience knock on that secondary, on that safety position. This looks like a, this looks like a guy who plays like he's been around the NFL for, for five years as opposed to five years in college. Fuzzy, need your take on something that John and I have been batting back and forth ever since the Eagles had their activities. Not practice, activities. <laughs> yeah, yeah. social team. gatherings. Activity. Yeah, Yes. Um, and they get guys out there for certain drills in certain orders and certain positions that you try and read between the lines with. Starting right guard for the Philadelphia Eagles. Oof. We know that Cam Jurgens is someone that they think highly of. He backed up. Uh, Kelsey all last year, which means he doesn't get on the field because Kelsey never leaves the field, uh, but it's got the abilities and some traits that make you believe he could play right guard, but then what happens if Kelsey gets hurt? Do you just throw him back there? Do you throw a lesser choice for backup center? It might depend on whether it's just a one play in the game or it's going to be a couple of games. Tyler Steen, high draft pick this year, but not a guard, and he's learning the position is new. And Jeff Stoutland, the guy who's going to make the decision, we know his overall opinions on how you best build an offensive line. Who's going to be the starting right guard for the Philadelphia Eagles? Cam Jurgens is going to be the starting right guard. However, uh, I thought it was really interesting, and I don't know who it was that asked the question, but they asked Lane Johnson uh, during his press conference when he was talking about how the adductor is good to go and he's healthy and everything. And they, hey, right, starting right guard, you know, what, what are you looking for? The question was a very general, what are you looking for in a right guard? And I thought that's when he was going to take the opportunity to start just saying glowing things about Cam Jurgens. And he started off by saying, yeah, both these guys really, you know, handle the position well. And I'm like, say what now? Both <laughs> these, both these guys? Who would he mean both these guys? And then I remembered, of course, Steen is here, but I didn't think he'd even be in consideration for the role until maybe a couple of years down the line when you do see, or next year, if Jason Kelsey's not here and you do have Cam Jurgens as your uh, center of the future. But he was like, both these guys come in here and they've learned the position well. They've done a great job. They're incredibly strong. Obviously, the Eagles introduced the left tackle of uh, Tyler Steen as a guard during the draft, which is interesting. But he said glowing things about both these guys. And I was like, hold on a second. They're not going to have – like, hold on. You're, like, you just asked me, Jody, who's the starting right guard? It's Cam Jurgens. But is there actually going to be more of a competition here than we really thought between yeah. these two players for the right guard position? Cam Jurgens is going to be the right guard. But the fact that the team <clears> is talking about it in a different light, Nick Sirianni talked about it in a different light when he addressed the media at the close of the uh, social gatherings that were the OTAs. Uh, but when you look at it – from a, a Jeff Stoutland position, if you look at it from even a Lane Johnson position, you want to make sure that these young guys, whether they be a second-year player like Cam Jurgens or a rookie like Tyler Steen, they're looking at it as if it's a competition. Nothing is guaranteed in the NFL, as we all know. Those two are going to have to battle it out for the position. But again, I believe it'll be Cam Jurgens being the starting right guard for the Eagles. Yeah, I you know, I think it was Baldy who was talking to Lane uh, and Lane said, um, you know, he'd like a bigger guy at, at guard. You know, Lane loved Brandon Brooks, yeah. uh, obviously. Well, we all did, but um, great player when he was healthy. And he was huge. I mean, yeah, Brandon played at like 350. Um, and then Isaac, not as huge. You know, 
too, too often fans look at uh, the roster, you know, they don't always tell the truth. So uh, I think Isaac was listed at uh, 305 pounds and Cam, I'm looking for Cam right now. They list Cam at 303. All right. They, they ain't the same size. <laughs> I, I don't know, you know, if, if Isaac is legit 305 and Cam's 285, two not, they're not close to being the same size. But when that comes into it, I think it's a bigger deal for Kelsey than Lane because Kelsey's undersized as a center, and they've always protected him with these big bodies inside. Landon, even more so on the other side. Landon's like 340. Yeah, um, he's a big boy. Yeah. Um, so to me, it's more important to uh, to protect Kelsey with that size. But if you're good, you're good. Cam Jurgens was talking about it. He's not going to be Brandon Brooks, right? He's got to play a different way, but he's tremendously athletic. Um, maybe they can play a different way. But either way, they're going to be fine. That's how <laughs> I look at it. I, I think the same way. And I don't know if that's uh, um, us being spoiled by Jeff Stoutland's success as the offensive uh, offensive line coach and, and the run game coordinator. I, I don't know if that's because you, you got a Hall of Fame center in Jason Kelsey and a guy who hasn't uh, allowed a sack since the Stone Age in Lane Johnson. We've been spoiled. Uh, as far as the offensive line goes, they've been great. They took a guy who was a rugby player out of Australia. Now, all of a sudden, he's your, your starting left tackle, taking over for Jason Peters, and they haven't missed a beat in that regard. Uh, you could go back and talk about all the guys on the roster that they've had at the offensive line position and had success with. Halapulavati Vitae winning a Super Bowl with him at left tackle. I have, I have confidence in the system. I have confidence in the in the guy now picking the, the 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 players to go into that system and Howie Roseman, and then he's handing them to a guy that can handle it better than anybody in the NFL and Jeff Stoutland. So it's like going into this. If I'm a, a betting man, I'm betting on Cam Jurgens, but I don't feel like you lose big on a bet if it ends up being Tyler Steen because this is being very much evaluated by a very good coaching staff and being evaluated by very good talent evaluators in the front office. Whereas one of those things like. I, look, I think it's going to be Cam Jurgens, and I hope it is. He's going to be the second-year player, have a chance to make his mark on the NFL, get his feet wet for when he does slide slightly over to his left and take over as the center. But yeah. if, they, if they decide to go Steen, then that means he really blew people away there in training camp. And by the way, if you got to go all the way down to the contingency, say, say Cam can't play right guard, right? The worst-case scenario. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Tyler's not ready to make the transition. You just put Jack Driscoll in there. You're fine. You're yeah. still fine. Mm -hmm. You're still fine. It might screw up a little bit of the game day backup situation, but, you know, Jeff doesn't like moving pieces around. Maybe he'd have to in that type of situation. But, man, I mean, it's a lot of insurance policies. That's what the Eagles are good at, mm -hmm. contingencies. And here's the thing that I'll say about uh, the offensive line coach. And he's in a different position than some of the other coaches on Eagles staff, specifically last year. I was critical of both Gannon and Nick Rallis that they couldn't get N'Kobe Dean some reps last year in the games where the Eagles were up by two touchdowns. Really, Kaiser White and Edwards had to stay on the field for basically every single snap. I get it. You're in the moment. You want to win the game. You're undefeated. It ain't no blah, blah, blah. Old thing the way that uh, the year laid out last year. But I think it's every coach's responsibility to look to the future. Not only this game today, but the next month, the next year, two years down the line. 
Stoutland doesn't have to do that. Offensive lineman, that's not the case. You're not moving guys in and out. Linebackers, you move a linebacker in and out. You can sub out a linebacker. Offensive linemen don't sub out. They stay in. When you're in, you're in. When you're out, you're out. You come. You only get in when a guy gets hurt. So I don't think that he'll look at it that way. But I can here on Birds 365. I think they're rooting for Steen to win the job. Because that way they can keep Jurgens just as a backup center. And not have to worry about it. No, he's the guy. And then what happens when he moves over to right guard? He's pretty damn good. And then Kelsey says at the end of the year, see ya, I'm out of here. Well, now what do you do at center? No, you'd rather have the guy right there. Now, Steen's got to earn it. If mm-hmm. he's not good enough, if Jurgens is just flat out better, then, of course, Jurgens is going to be the guy. But if they're even, Johnny Mack and Mark Farzetta, if they're dead even, and Stoutland's being honest with himself, they both did the job to the same exact level. Who do you think they start? Hmm. All right, if I'm going first, uh, Jody, I'll say that's a really interesting way to phrase that question. Yeah, that's that's an that's an experienced interviewer phrasing that question. I think you're right. I think they go Steen. If it's yeah. if it's dead even, and you have an opportunity to not change the position of the guy that you think is going to be your center for the next decade in the NFL, then I'm going to keep him in that position and not have him worry about moving around uh, on the offensive line. I will say that I think it is, it's interesting that some of the players have come out and talked about Cam Jurgens committing to versatility. And throughout walkthroughs, he always wanted to get reps at the right guard spot or at the guard's spot just to be more familiar with those spots in case he was called upon to uh, come off the bench and be a starter at either guard position. So he's got a dedication to the versatility already, but that's just a guy who wants to get on the football field. If you want to make sure that he's picking up everything he can at the center position, then yeah, you hold him back. But it also depends on whether or not they look at Steen as a guy that can not only be the starting right guard for this year, but obviously for the future as well. And then they'll also look at it in another way, thinking about it like this, whether or not they just want to make sure Cam Juergens can go out there and hit men. Not college guys, but get the experience of hitting NFL defensive linemen and making sure he's picking up blitzes from linebackers or safeties, whoever's coming through, and just get that type of experience while he's right next to Lane Johnson. Or excuse me, right, not, not necessarily Lane Johnson, but more so Jason Kelsey. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in that scenario that Jody laid out, yeah, dead even, yeah, I, I go with Tyler Steen because long-term, that's the goal. Long-term, it's going to be Jurgens at center, uh, Tyler Steen at right guard. That's the plan. Um, and if it's dead even, you might, I don't get this thought process of, oh, Cam was the 51st pick last year, so he's got to get on the field. No, he doesn't. No, who cares? He was drafted to be the heir apparent to Jason Kelsey. Now he's the third one. Isaac was drafted to be the heir apparent. Landon was drafted to be the heir apparent. And Jason keeps going and going and going and going. But I think we now know, all right, it's really close to the end. Um, Last year, he said he was going to retire. He told Lane he was going to retire. And they were so successful. He had so much fun. Um, They don't, you know, they don't have him practice. That helps. He said if this were Doug, he'd be gone already because the practices were tougher. Um, So we're closer to the end. And Cam's going to be the center. He's going to be the center. Um, so long-term, dead even. But dead even. I, how can that even happen, though? Right. I'll say that. So somebody's going to win the job. Um, 
But I do think if we're dead even, yeah, you might as well get it started. Tyler Steen's drafted to be the right guard. Let him play right guard. Ultimately, when Lane retires, I think you're going to try to replace him with a, you know, first round pick. That's what they're going to try to replace him with. Uh, Tyler Steen, some people have said, well, maybe he'll be the right tackle. Well, the reason they announced him as a guard, Mark, his arms are too small to play tackle. That's why they project him inside. Now, people can roll their eyes and say that's goofy, but that's the way the NFL thinks. So if long-term your plan is to have Cam Jurgens at center, Tyler Steen at right guard, and Tyler Steen proves he can play the position at the same level as Cam Jurgens, yeah. I'm Tyler Steen all, all day. It makes too much sense. All right, quickie trivia quiz for both you two guys. What team in the National Football League led the league in penalties on their offensive line last year? Oh, the Eagles. Eagles. E- Eagles were number one in penalties on the offensive line. They really? Number 41, one? I, yeah. Wow. 41 offensive yeah. line penalties more than and any other And by the way, team. they could have had uh, 81 if they call it Lane's false starts, but <laughs> reputation that is part of it. That is one of the most amazing things, Lane Johnson. If you play it at regular speed, you don't see it. If you play it at half speed, you don't see it. If you play it at like one quarter speed, you go, shoot, did he jump? Did he get off before they snapped the ball? You have to slow it down so much. To see, he is so good at reading that at the exact split second they uh, snap the ball. He does get that little bit of an edge every single time, but uh, and they never call it on him. Um, is that nitpicking to go, hey, you got to clean that up? Lead the league in offensive line oh. penalties? What's wrong with this offensive line? Well, they're the best offensive line in football, <laughs> but they do take the most penalties. Is that something Stoutland should be working on? And should we have fear of it this year because they're plugging in a new guy at right guard, whoever he may be? I mean, I I think so. I knew the Eagles were up there. I thought the top five. I didn't think number one. Uh, no, but no, no. Uh, tied that, for first. That oh, tied for well, who was the other team? I think. Well, I Do you have it in front of you? I forget. All right, no, no, whatever. So two teams of forty-one offensive specific offensive line penalties last year. All right, first off, the Lane Johnson thing. Let me just say this: I think that's really happening a lot throughout the league, where they're looking at those experienced tackles like yeah. Lane Johnson, oh, for instance. Oh my God! They, and they're. Yeah. They're, they're, they're old veteran pitchers in baseball that are getting the corners, yeah. and it's not oh, on yeah. the corner. They're, they're getting oh, those yeah. calls, if you will. Um, so, yeah, but if I'm Jeff Stoutland, absolutely. I mean, what's your job? Your job is to make sure that you make life as easy on as possible for the offense to move down the field, not move backwards on the field. And we get called for those penalties. Not only are they moving you back on the field, but they couldn't negate a play on the other side of the field the penalty had nothing to do with. So that, to me, is something you have to work on because you can't shoot yourselves in the foot. And when you – Look at games that the Eagles struggled a little bit in last year, and obviously there weren't a lot of them, but when they did struggle, you saw the penalties. You saw the moments where it was either a penalty uh, or it was something else that would shoot you in the foot, a turnover, a drop pass, whatever it might be. So eliminate those opportunities where the defense is going to have success, and that will make the offense more successful. So imagine that. You took called for the most penalties in the NFL on your offensive line, what we all talk about here. I knew they had a struggle-filled season, but as far as the penalties went, I think it was number one. But think about it like this. You just can't make it more difficult for your offense to advance the football. And if that's what you're thinking is Jeff Stoutland, then that's something you are definitely working on in this offseason. I always tell the story. Jody might recognize the name. Tim Irwin, you're probably a little bit too young, Mark. I know uh, the name. Longtime starter 
about 15 years in the league, really good player, uh, became an agent, became a judge, really interesting guy, but um, lawyer, obviously. Uh, he he was uh, the Vikings starting right tackle for years. He gave Reggie White fits. You know why he gave Reggie White fits? They let him tackle Reggie White. They let him do anything because he was around so long and he had the reputation. And then he finally retired and they brought in Corey Stringer, which is another story, very sad story, but Mm -hmm. tremendous player early in his career, developed into, you know, maybe the best right tackle in football before the tragedy. And he, he, he couldn't block Reggie. They, cause they wouldn't let, they wouldn't give him the tricks of the trade. They wouldn't, he was a young player. He had to earn it. You gotta earn it. And yeah, Tim would just, Oh man, he would, Reggie would hate playing him cause he would maul him and he'd get away with it. It was unbelievable. What one of the things people always talk about with John Runyon, and he just reminded me of this. Runyon very would always, similar player, by the way. Very similar player. To exa- John exa- exactly. And John would always get called as like the cheater, or yeah. you know, he would you know find ways to you know manipulate the game or whatever. Well, when you ask John about it, Runyon would always talk about how it's like it's not cheating, it's not cheap shots, it's being a veteran and understanding yeah. the game and knowing yeah. what you can get away with. And to me, that's gamesmanship. That that's part of it. Um, it, it also kind of says exactly what everybody else says, but in a different way. Uh, yeah. But like a politician. But yeah. um, it, uh, it it makes a lot of sense, especially if you're going up against guys that uh, are most likely going to beat you. Find a way to manipulate the game or the rules in your favor, knowing what you can get away with. Yeah. All right, yeah. Barzi. Last thing before we let you run, and it's a favor. It's not a question. Uh, you putting in the good work yesterday, charitable time down at the bubble. Unfortunately, they didn't mm. use the cannon. That's their mistake. <laughs> um, but know that you've got this kind of relationship now with Jeff Lurie. Um, I need you to ask him for me. I want to see the Eagles on hard knocks this year. They're, we're into <laughs> mid-June now, and they still haven't named the hard knocks team. Usually they name it in March. We're in friggin' mid-June, and they haven't picked the Hard Knocks team out yet. The Eagles can't be forced to do it because they've got certain rules and regulations here. If you want to get out of it here to get out of jail free card, there's only four teams that don't have that get out of jail free card this year. The Jets, the Saints, and two more. I can't remember who that Bears and somebody. Well, uh, Commanders. And that's who I think it might be if they get that sale done next week and Joshua Harris takes over. But – Jeff Lloyd could trump them all. He could get Goodell on the phone and go, you know, Raj, we'll volunteer to do it this year. I'd love to see this team on hard knocks. The personalities, yeah. Jalen Hurts, everything. Let, let the nation see Jalen Hurts. You got the, the owner's ear. Just go to Mr. Laurie and go, yeah, you know what? Be a guy. Give the Eagle fans something more to sink their teeth into this year. Let's put them on hard knocks. Can you do that for me? I will, de- you know, I'll make some phone calls. He's texting me, but it's so much. I, I, I just like, hey, I don't yeah, like getting you gotta back to him. Put him yeah, you yeah. got to you gotta mute him. Pump the yeah, brakes. Pump much, the brakes yeah. there, Jeff. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but as far as your enthusiasm, Jody, for having them on, I would love to see him on hard. Yes. What Eagles, anybody that says, oh, I don't want them to have the distraction. You don't want them to have, you don't want to have that, that sort of uh, 
inside access. When they did the what was it, all access that Prime Amazon. Did? Yeah. Amazon. Yeah, yeah. All, yeah. all, all, all or nothing. All or nothing. Thank yeah. you. That's they, not as good as hard knock. No, I a thousand percent agree. I a thousand percent agree, Jody. But it's as close as they have come to hard knocks. And I would love to see them featured on something like that. I want to see Nick Sirianni behind the scenes. I want to see some of the stories play out that players have told us about, you know, what a player's coach he is. I want to see Jeff Stoutland behind the scenes. Like, I, I'm, I'm forgetting his name now, but he was the offensive line coach for the Browns. But I know he exists. Oh, uh, yeah, the Tony, uh, yeah, the big You guy. know who I'm talking about. Yeah, I, yeah. I know he exists because of hard knocks, okay? <laughs> I want to see the personalities behind the scenes. I want to see Jalen Hurts, as you were saying, Joe, behind the scenes. I want to see the relationship more between him and A.J. Brown. I want to see guys developing. I want to see how this running back room is going to come back or come together. I want to see Jason. You mean to tell me you wouldn't want to see Jason Kelsey coaching up Cam Jurgens? You mean to tell me you wouldn't want to see that? Yeah. Everyone wants to see that. I, I'm all for it. I love hard knocks. Maybe I'll get back to Jeffrey and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll say take, let's do it. Take him, take him off mute. Uh, <laughs> just a quickie before we get out of here. John, what's the chance of that happening? A zero. <clears throat> Can I, I go negative? Negative That's what I zero. Yeah. yeah, it's not even zero point zero 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 four. It's like a flat out negative. If, I would. If if Sirianni has anything to say about yeah. it, it's a flat zero. Yeah. It's got. He's no coming chance. back but, from Florida. But, but Jeffrey's the boss. That's yeah. why I'm telling you, you got to go to Jeffrey. Because mm -hmm. if there's anybody who can tell, suck it up, get it done, Coach. Let the cameras in. It's his boss, and that would be Jeff Lloyd. So By I, the way, I got Bob, in your uh, you're going to make Fargy's going to make this happen. Yeah, uh, let me just say this real quick on a behind the scenes thing. Uh, I, I, I'm going to guess that a lot of people here are not um, soccer fans, like football fans, right? Like overseas, like EPL and stuff. Welcome to Wrexham with Philly native Rob McElhenney of Always Sunny in Philadelphia oh, and yeah, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. There's an interview with Rob McElhenney at the link with Jeffrey Lurie where they talk about being owners. Yeah. And I forget what episode it is, but if you haven't seen it, it's worth checking out. I've seen every episode. It's, fanta it's a fantastic show. But it was a really interesting thing going, you know, from Rob McElhenney's point of view, from a fan to now being an owner of a team and then sitting with the guy that owns your favorite football team, American football. Um, it's an amazing, yeah. it's a really incredible thing. And it's, I think it's a, it's a, it's a good look behind the scenes, at least Jeffrey Lurie and his mentality of being an owner. All yeah. right. If you drop the ball far as will get uh, the guy from Wrexham on and, and him. <laughs> the, guy from Rex, the guy from Wrexham. Yes. The guy from Wrexham. <laughs> yeah. I, he's, uh, he's, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, not a soccer guy. Bob, yeah, Bob yeah. Wiley, by the way, uh, is the offensive line coach you're talking about. Bob you know what Wiley. you want to be? You know what yeah. you want to be as an offensive? You want to be a gorilla. You don't want to be yeah. a rhino. You want to yeah. be a gorilla. And, hey, that speaks to the arms. That speaks to the arms you're talking about there with Steve. Yeah. You can catch his show every morning before us here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, the Farsi Show. And the Phillies and... postgame show. 500, oh, baby. 500, over 500. I'll be yeah. back uh, tonight after the 940 start time uh, against the uh, the Athletics tonight. Hopefully the Phillies keep it go uh, going in Oakland before they move to Vegas. That is Mark Farzetta here with us on Birds 365. Thanks, Fars. See you guys. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks, that Mark. Mark Farzetta. All right. Mac and Mac coming back. Hour number two. We have the guy. Farzetta's gone, right? He's gone now. The cannon is gone. The guy. Yeah, we got the MVP of the NRG the charity. star game. of yesterday's yeah. charity game underneath the, the bubble down there. And also South a Florida. soccer guy. A lot of soccer talk. Uh, today how did i uh, get sucked into soccer talk Rexham, I, baby Rexham. Not, not exactly sure how that happened but uh mac and mac coming back <laughs> hour number two coming your way
Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With Colony right now, Birds fans, visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. John McMullen, I'm Jody McDonald. We're Mac and Mac there on Birch 365 on a football Friday, a summertime football Friday, which means nothing's actually happening. Um, didn't happen up in New England yesterday, Johnny Mac. DeAndre Hopkins first visited the Titans an overused phrase, they let him get out of town. I always laugh when somebody says, what are you going to do? Handcuff him to a to a radiator or Can't something? Can't let him out of the building, Jody. Can't let him out of the building. Maybe I take that too literally, but I I, I get the uh, what the phrase is supposed to mean. Well, the Titans let him out of the building, and apparently the Patriots let him out of the building yesterday, but he had good visits up there. Let me once yeah, again. You know what that means, Joe. You didn't get the money he was looking for, and he's you know he keeps waiting. Uh, yeah, that's what that means. Uh, I said this from the day that he got released with the Cardinals, 
and these certain Eagle fans started beating a drum for DeAndre Hopkins to come here to Philadelphia. John said earlier the chance of the Eagles volunteering for hard knocks is zero. I won't go to zero for Hopkins landing with the Eagles. I'll only go to 0.07. That's the chance that he signs. It's not it's not stone cold zero, but it's damn close to it for the reasons that we've given before. The fact that he's not going to be happy with being the fourth choice on the offense behind Smitty and AJ and Dallas uh, at uh, tight end to get uh, balls thrown his way. Yeah, it just, it doesn't work. It doesn't add up. But no. the main reason again is, and and I think people underestimate this, he's going to go where he's going to get paid. The team that offers him the biggest, and, and I'm sure he'd love to get a three-year deal with a massive amount of money. At this stage of the year, even though I still think he's one of the more talented receivers in the league, it's not happening, and he's got to come to grips with that. He and his agent, they're not getting a multi-year deal. It's not happening. But he's going to go with the team that's going to give him the most money for one year this year. He's not a ring chaser. He's a, he's a dollar chaser. He's going to go with the team that gives him the most money, and that's not going to be the Philadelphia Eagles because you are looking at him. There are teams out there that he signs with them tomorrow. He's wide receiver one. If he comes here to Philadelphia right now, he's wide receiver three. How much do you think Howie Roseman's going to pay wide receiver three? (laughs) Not happening. But there are teams that will pay him because maybe not what he wants because he thinks he's not only wide receiver one, he's wide receiver top ten in the league. He might not be that anymore, and nobody's going to give him that kind of money at this stage of an offseason. But somebody's going to give him a hell of a lot more than the Eagles are, right, Jeff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no question about it. And Eagles fans should uh, cross their fingers that what number did you put it at, Jody? 0.07. Yeah, they should hope that doesn't come to fruition because if it does, you know, the window that you left slightly ajar, that comes to fruition if A.J. Brown gets hurt working out on his own, if Devontae Smith gets hurt, then, then it becomes a real possibility, right. but only for that distinct reason. And then the Eagles think about paying him as well, because and then he becomes wide receiver one or wide receiver two. Right. And that's a different conversation. As a wide receiver three, I'm going to be bold and put it down to zero percent. Ain't happening. Ain't happening. Right. But there there is still time before the season starts where worst case scenario that you, you just laid out, Smitty and or uh, AJ get hurt and going to be out for months. Yes. Then that would change the equation for the Eagles. Yes. yes. Um, how about at running back? Did the Eagles have a run? Could uh, if they look at Rashad Penny Penny as a major contributor this year? They traded for DeAndre Swift if he were to get hit walking across Gerard Avenue tomorrow. If the Eagles were to lose one of their running backs, they don't have as structured a a grouping as they do at wide receiver. It's kind of all catch all. There's no RB one, RB two, RB three, RB kind of like all the RBs together would an injury to one of those guys 
make the Eagles think about adding a uh, tough flight running back uh, like the ex-Minnesota Vikings? No, no. I mean, you know, Dalvin Cook is, and even if you think he's still got a lot of juice and he's still a top five back or whatever you want to describe it, some people do, some people don't. Uh, But if you're in the camp that that is, they're just not in that position. I mean, they'll pay wide receiver. If they need a wide receiver, they'll pay for a wide receiver. They're not paying for a running back. Um, And, you know, Tom Pellicero, who lives in, uh, you know, the Minneapolis era area, um, is very close to Cook, says um, he wants to be paid close to what he was scheduled to be paid in Minnesota. That's over $10 million. I don't know if he's getting that. I know he's not getting it from Philadelphia. Now, if it comes down to $5 million, I still don't think they're paying it. Um, and, you know, we talk about the chasm, you know, between A.J. Brown, Tabonte Smith, and Quez Watkins, or between Dallas Goddard and Jack Stoll, you know, some pretty significant drop-offs. The drop-off, from DeAndre Swift, if you want to put him as running back one, to Rashad Penny, to Kenny Gainwell, to Boston Scott, is not that dramatic. Mm. They'd be very happy just saying, you know, all right. And Next man up. And by the way, Nick Sirianni keeps bringing up Trey Sermon. He talks more about Trey don't, Sermon. Don't Rashad forget Penny. Trey. A damn word about Rashad Penny. He might start worrying. Um he keeps bringing up Trey Sermon. So don't forget Trey Sermon as well. I agree with you on that front, uh, even though I – and I – two years ago, three years ago, if it was three, so be it. But I think it was as little as two years ago. I said uh, that I thought the best wide receiver in the National Football League was the guy who got out of town in New England yesterday. That's how much I thought of DeAndre Hopkins. I had him ahead of Devontae Adams as the number one wide receiver in football. So I think he's dropped further than the running back has. Uh, I actually think he is still top five in, in all of football. I Shoot, he might be top four um, for me. But you're right. The Eagles just don't pay that position. And and that's not going to change now. He's not going to kind of going to have a come to Jesus moment. Oh, my God, I guess I have to pay running backs now. No, not going to happen. No. Yeah. He's not doing that. Yeah. Um, and we'll see. I mean, look, they are, I, I, I think they're going to be fine at running back. And if they are fine at running back and, you know, I think a lot of teams are going to look at what they did and say, that's the way to go. And it's going to continue. Unfortunately for running backs, there'll always be one or two, um, who are a little bit of an outlier. And maybe that turns out to be B. John Robinson. Maybe it doesn't. Christian McCaffrey's in that category. Um, there'll always be a few, but for the most part, teams will replicate what the Eagles have tried to do. And you already see it, by the way. And, you know, to use Dalvin Cook, that's what Minnesota's doing. You know, Alexander Madison, Ty Chandler. Can a Wongo? That's the same as the Eagles. A bunch of they got some talent, and if they they produce, you know, why pay? 
Why pay that position? Let me ask you a major theoretical question, um, because we haven't even talked about these two guys who are at similar places in their career, not exactly the same. Hopkins a little bit older, uh, Cook a little bit younger. But we're projecting that Hopkins will get paid more purely because he's a wide receiver, not necessarily because his game has gone down further and he is older. Well, he get paid because he's a wide receiver. John, when are we going to see high school kids, age 16, best player on their high school team as a sophomore and are scoring more touchdowns than the rest of the team combined? When are we going to see the running back who runs it in uh, 20 times in his sophomore season go to the coach next year and go, yeah, by the way, I don't play running back anymore. I play wide receiver. Because I'm not good. I'm going to the National Football League. I'm going to go to college for three years. I think we're already there. I think most guys already do that. I think they're savvy enough to – there's so many wide receivers coming in this league every year. This was a disappointing season for the wide receivers at the top of the draft, and they still went. There was that little cluster. I forget where it started. In the 20s. Yeah, it started later than I thought it was going to start. Yeah, where I, I think it was four in a row went. Um, I mean, I think that's already started, Jody. I, uh, yeah, guys don't want to play running back anymore. It used to be the marquee position. Now it's hot, it's obviously quarterback, but um, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's already started. It's uh, yeah, number twenty, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. And then it went uh, Quentin Johnston from TCU to the Chargers, Zay Flowers from BC to the Ravens, and Jordan Addison from Southern Cal to the Vikings. Bang, 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 bang. And they're all good players, but that's compared to what we have seen coming into the league. Uh, that's a bit of a down year at the top. Uh, but you start at Marvin Harrison Jr., man. I mean, He's oh, going to be. Got, he's going to be a top five pick next yeah. year. Yeah, forget about yeah. the twenties. He's going to be single digits, um, because yeah, wide wide receivers are valued and are paid, and we'll see it uh, next year in the draft. Uh, it's funny that that high school kid who yeah, the best player on the team used to be the running back. Now he wants to be the quarterback, and even if he can't throw, well, I'll figure out how to throw, but I'll run. Because they like running quarterbacks now in the National Football League, guys who make uh, plays with their legs. So quarterback number one. Secondly, wide receiver one. I would say wide receiver two might be now a young man's at age 16 choice to actually be on the team if you could dictate terms. If you're far and away the best player, uh, you you might go that far. The game, the game has changed from when... You and I uh, were just youngsters, J-Mac. All right, uh, we got Kevin Kincaid coming up. He's going to join us uh, in just a couple of minutes. And if you don't follow Kevin on Twitter, you should. Uh, what's his handle on Twitter? I had it punched up here before. Uh, I think is it, it is. Let me, let me pop it up. No, I think it's an underscore in there. So let me get it right. Let me pull it up for real quick. I think it's Kevin underscore Kincaid. Yes, Kevin underscore Kincaid, K-I-N-K-E-A-D, by the way. You can either go to his Twitter or the Crossing Broad Twitter, which it's also posted. You'll see the highlights from yesterday's charity uh, flag football game down at uh, the bubble in South Philly. 
and I got to give him his props. We're going to bring him on here. He yeah, we're going to do some film that, watching. That, that that's good. Did. That's good that he's not logged on here because I don't want him to hear me say this. He looked good. He had yeah. burst. The highlight that they posted on his Twitter account. Damn, he can actually move. I was just drinking beers with him two weeks ago. I didn't think he had that left in the tank. And Cade could actually play a little yeah, bit. Yeah, man. He stuck his foot in the ground and went. Man. By the way, our, our, our buddy Braylon Moore was on the show a couple weeks ago. She she was like Kelsey blocking downfield. She got off. Really? I'm watching the film. Now, Devin Caney, also a friend of the show, she took a bad angle. She was on defense. She she had Kincaid Ooh, dead to rights. Not good. In the middle of the breaking field. down this play and yeah. making Devin Caney look bad. Um, <laughs> that's tough to do, by the way. Yeah, not uh, easy, but Johnny yeah. Mac's giving it his best shot here to make Devin Caney look bad. Yeah, uh, that, so we got uh, Kevin Kincaid from Crossing Broad. He's going to join us coming up uh, next. We'll talk to him about the Eagles and his own individual exploits next here on Birds 365. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh.
got your Mega Mac guys here on Bird 365. We're lucky enough to be joined by Kevin Kincaid, the lead writer for Crossing Board. All right, I almost feel like we got Mike Gill on the show. What T-shirt you got on there, buddy? You're, you're rocking something. Well, they are West Virginia guys. Lean so back they, yeah. there. They're yeah, well, we're, rep- we're representing my high school today, the great Boyertown area senior oh. high school. Yeah. yeah. Showing yeah. off the athleticism. Now, I see that. The ego of you, Kevin Kincaid. <laughs> Not the highlights from the charity game, the NRG. Did you get an MVP trophy? Do you get it? No, MVP? no, that went to Pat Gallon of uh, the winning team. They went oh, two and right. yeah, we went oh and two. I could, I yeah, I cut the one great highlight that I was able to pull off. But if I did, the, <laughs> I did the full reel. There would be an interception in there. There would be some bad overthrows and. Uh, yeah, see, that's what I said. The highlights yeah. are great, but yeah. I don't know the PFF grade. I got to see the entire film. I don't know yeah. if there's the consistency is there from play to play. I had a couple guys in the end zone. I overthrew one guy so badly that he almost ran into a, a stack of uh, like w- wooden pallets at Novacare. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you, no, you was... nearly got someone impaled. Is that what you're telling us? Yeah, but they got it. They made us sign the waivers, Jody. You know, so no lawsuits, right? So if you run through a uh, wooden uh, wooden pallet, there's no uh, lawyers coming coming yeah. for you. You know, but uh, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. They do this uh, every year. It's from uh, NRG, and uh, they have they put together this charity game down at uh, in the bubble at Novacare, and they raise money for for Chop and Phil Abundance and uh, Nemours and Big Brothers Big Sisters. And they do a great job with it. It's it's fun. We've been going down there and doing it for a while. And uh, you know, the winning team actually, you get more money to the to the charity that you're representing. So it makes it a little <laughs> makes it a little competitive, you know, because you because you know that you're uh, playing to get more get more cash to to one of those places, you know. So it's, it's but but it's fun, you know. We try to get everybody involved, and I, I, the goal is to uh, to not get injured and not be too much of a hard ass. So I think we we all. I was impressed, man. You stuck your foot in the ground and went baby you still got some juice how, oh, many, got years, video how many years of charity games do you have left <laughs> here we well, go here it is look at look at, look at the <laughs> by the way i give i give breland more credit she uh i think it was breland who uh she looked like kelsey getting downfield on that block but our, also our yeah. friend Devin Caney, she she had an angle on you. She there was a good battle fight. going on between those two. Yeah, they were they were covering each other on both sides of the field. I mean, that was a, a nice little subplot there. There was a funny picture that I think the NRG people got where there was a like an awkward. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were trying to high point the football. I saw that one as well. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was good. Yeah, they um, it's a, it's it's a fun time. You know, I mean, it's cool. Uh, they have they bring down um. You know, former uh, Eagles players come down, and they're sort of like your, um, you know, your yeah, coach. Yeah, who was your coach? Uh, Mark uh, Parzetta said AJ Feely. Yeah. Uh, who was yeah. the other coach? Uh, Hollis is one of the other coaches. Oh, Hollis. Hollis. Hollis has a huge bushy beard now. He looks like Rick Ross. It looks great. Really? It's like a perfect look for him. Yeah, yeah. He's got the bu- the bushy that. beard. Uh, I think Sean Landetta was was coaching the one team that we didn't play against, and um, who was the other? Oh, Jason Avant. Jason Avant was down there. Um, yeah, to be. To be truthful, you guys, film on Hollis's beard, Kincaid making a nice cut and going into the end zone, <laughs> or girls covering each other in a charity song. Yeah, that's the video I want. That's the yeah. video I'm saving. Yeah. Hey, sorry, KK, I'm going to give you your props, yeah. then delete it and move on. Oh, yeah, I'll yeah. save that, that, that other video for years to come. 
Yeah, no, it was, it was, it's fun though. I mean, it's a good to, you know, it's, it's, it's nice doing those things and they, um, you know, they, their NRG has always been good about having us down and, and, you know, picking out some great charities and then they have representatives from the charities come down to, and they, they play as well. So it's nice to get to meet some of the chop people and some of the Phil, Phil abundance people and, and whatnot. And it's, it's a good time, you know, and then we can, you know, spray it around social media and throw the posts up and whatnot. And everybody gets a, you know, I got my highlight reel thing, but I promise I wasn't yeah. playing too hard. I didn't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that guy. Who's like, uh, you don't want to be that guy taking it too seriously. Do you remember? Guy. I don't know. If, I don't know if you guys remember a couple of years ago, they had like a Phillies uh, softball game down at citizens bank park. And uh, Kristen Rogers was working at uh, Fox 29 at the time. I think she left and she went somewhere else, but there was video. <laughs> Some guy like lost his footing or something. Just completely clobbered. <laughs> third base and it was like i thought she was injured but she got up and she she was okay but i always said to myself right your goal when you do these things is just not to be that guy just don't run over you know the yeah, Kristen. Kristen's been on the show she's she's a great golfer um yeah but she's yeah. got yeah she's got yeah. some uh competitiveness in there <laughs> rule number one don't get yourself hurt rule number two yeah. don't get anybody else hurt and yes don't get yourself don't don't get yourself hurt. Don't get anybody else hurt. Don't uh, don't come across as a tool bag, and uh, you should. Then that's considered a successful uh, successful media charity game performance, I believe. And there don't run into any wooden pallets where you can't sue the Eagles <laughs> because it's a charity affair. Uh, all right, uh, let's get back to the birds for a half a second here. I've asked this of basically every guest we've had on the last week or so. Who's going to be starting right guard for the Philadelphia Eagles week one against the the Patriots in New England? Oh, God. This is like my least favorite topic. You had to start me off with this one, didn't you? Suck it up. Get it done. <laughs> Put your foot in the ground and go. No, I just look. I mean, I, I think like Jillio wrote that story or about like, you know, you got to think about moving on from Jason Kelsey if it if it if it makes sense. It wasn't an anti, you know, I mean, everybody had the emotion. Well, I missed that one. You got to you got to move on from Jason Kelsey. Well, no, crazy. he was just kind of talking about the legitimate like business side of like, you know, you drafted his replacement in the second round and he's he, you stashed him for a year. And, you know, I mean, really, it's unheard of to I mean, when, when's the last time you heard of anybody <laughs> stashing a center? You know, it's not to say that Cam Jurgens can't play guard. I'm sure he can play guard, you know, but I, but. I don't know if that was their their plan initially. You know what I mean. So I mean, I still I still think he's the guy who's going to play, right? Um, but it does it does make it what we thought was a a linear path to him being Jason Kelsey's successor a little nonlinear. I don't I don't know if that necessarily screws things up, but I think we were all kind of under the impression that he would just kind of sit that year and then Jason Kelsey would walk. But you know, I, like if he put if he sits for a year and then he plays guard for you and then he goes and plays center, you know. I mean, from all from all indications, he's good enough to to do that. But it does kind Lar of larger perspective, Kevin. Why is everybody like that? Because that is sort of a sentiment, I think, more in modern professional sports. Oh, he can't sit two years. Why can't he sit two years? Who gives a? I mean, it, it, it's rare. Yeah. Um, but you hear this. Oh, he's the fifty-first overall pick. You got to get him on the field. Well, you got him for four years. I mean, ultimately, yeah. the goal is him to be center. So um, whether that's um, in 2024 uh, or 2023, is it that in the big picture? Is that that big of a deal? 
No, I guess I guess not. I think you're just looking to extract maximum value for a second round draft pick who's still on the rookie scale. You know what I mean? Um, that's that's basically the only argument against it. I don't I don't think I don't think you have people who are saying, well, you're going to screw up Cam Jurgens development by moving him over to guard. I don't think anybody's saying that. I just think they're saying like, hey, you used the second round draft pick on this guy and like, you know, let's get him on the field. Right. Um, I don't this think it's team any used a second round draft pick on a on a on a quarterback. Uh, you know, 14 months after given the largest contract at the time in franchise history, yeah. that was a luxury pick, but it turned out to be a necessity. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I don't think I, that, but that's, that's the thing though. It's a positional thing. Like, again, I just, I just thought it was really, I think it says a lot about Jason Kelsey that you would stash uh, <laughs> that his replacement would be a second round pick in a stash. Like that's, un, it's just unheard of for the offensive line. There's a million stories of, drafting quarterbacks and having them sit a couple years, obviously, yeah. you know, but I've never, I mean, I think it's the the best testament to what Jason Kelsey is that, you know, you let him have a say in handpicking his successor and then the successor doesn't necessarily have a direct path to replacing him. And by the way, this is his third successor. I mean, Isaac Sayamala was drafted to be his successor. Yeah, that's true. In his eighth year. That's true. <laughs> no, that's true. I mean, it's great. You know, it's funny because we did the top 20. Well, I we I painstakingly did another top 25 Philadelphia athletes list. Oh, I was going to get to that. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I well, think that it's not, uh, uh, I'll say right off the bat, I'm surprised there should be more Eagles on that list. Well, you could have <laughs> filled the whole thing. You could have filled the whole th- damn thing up with Eagles. You know, that's yeah. how good they are now. But I was going to say that Jason Kelsey is every year he's the hardest one to rank uh, because, you know, if if you're going purely on intangibles and fan connection and what he means to the city and and you know his his status as a Philadelphia Eagle, um, you could put him number one on any list. But how how do you how do I compare a center to a wide receiver or a quarterback or a you know a guy like Bryce Harper or Joel Embiid? I, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, you get these cross sport things, and that's one thing. But I don't know if Jason Kelsey is even the most important member of the offensive line. I mean, is the left tackle and the right tackle more important? It's, it's they're interesting, arbitrary discussions, but I get oh, more, yeah. I get more, I get more pushback and I get more feedback on Jason Kelsey's placement. Every single time we do some kind of list like that, more, more feedback on him and discussion on him than any, than anybody else on those lists. That's, that's what you're looking for. More feedback. And if you're yeah. getting it, then you're doing it right. Yeah. Uh, so I'll ask you another subjective, hypothetical question right along those lines. Who's the most underrated Philadelphia Eagle? As per Kevin Kincaid's definition of underrated, which might be different than John McNone's or Jody McDonald's or anybody else's. So oh, you can't give a wrong answer, just uh, a Kevin Kincaid answer. Who's the most underrated Eagle? I mean, I think we they're all pretty, pretty good. <laughs> I think we, we all know that they're... Uh... Well, I, I would honestly say Jordan Mailata, um, you know, because you get a lot of you get a lot of talk about Lane Johnson. You get a lot of talk about Jason Kelsey, obviously. But I mean, I still think that we're all probably in agreement that the most important position on the line is left tackle or, or blindside tackle, you know, um, if you have a lefty. But I mean, the Jordan Mailata story just can't can't be understated you know they had a first round draft pick who was stuck on the bench because their seventh round developmental project turned into a stud you know that's mm-hmm. going to go down when we look back like 20 years from now 25 years whatever that jordan my lot of draft pick and developmental job will go down as one of the best diamond in the rough 
Oh yeah, moves made made by any team by any team. Oh in, yeah, in there's a reason Jeffrey Laurie brought it up. It's one of the only three times Kevin Kincaid that Jeffrey mm-hmm. Laurie uh, gave his opinion on draft picks. Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. Lane Johnson, Jordan Mailata. He's three for three. Uh, you well, know, it, he might want to delve in and give his opinion more often. Yeah, right. I, yeah, get your hands in there. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's funny because, you know, you have this concept of like, you know, these guys are plug and play compatible. You know, you take them out of the first round of the second round and they're NFL ready, right? And I think like in all sports, not just football, but the idea of development is kind of like falling off a bit, you know, that you, oh, have, yeah. guys, you have guys that don't take off that first year, that second year, but then you like look at what you've done with them. Look at what the coaching staff has done with them. I mean, basketball is the worst offender of this. Because nobody used to care about the G League or the D the D League when it was the D League, right? And look at like what the Miami Heat were able to do with that this year, you know. And it, it I could go off into some side sidebar about the Sixers here and their lack of attention to, to all that. But but look at I mean, Jordan oh, Miami, I'm with you. I used to yeah. say to uh, Mike Gill all the time. I mean, forget about Sam Hankey. Forget about the process nonsense. Yeah. I mean, that's been legislated to death, to death. But, um. Their player development was horrible. It yeah. was horrible during his whole regime. It was like, I either draft a good player or don't. And if you don't get a good player, uh, we're screwed. We'll get to the next bad record. Yeah. What about yeah. player development? Look at Tyrese Maxey. They developed him. What was he, the 21st pick? Something in that range. Well, it's yep. naive. It's naive to think as elite as these athletes are. They're like when they if they come out of school at like age 20 or 21 or 22 or whatever, to think that that is a finished product. I mean, that's yeah. that's such a misnomer. That's such a like a naive way of thinking because these guys still have so so much further to go. But I mean, when you look back, Jordan Maialata should be the poster child for like talent identification and, and scouting and a developmental job. And, and the, the job that they did with him is amazing. I mean, like you, 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 you ended up with a franchise left tackle by picking a dude who seven in the seventh round who had never played football before. It's insane yeah. when you when you think yeah. about it that way. I think I think we just kind of gloss over that sometimes. Do yeah. the Eagles have a coach along those lines? who can do that with defensive linemen. And I'm specifically thinking of one that they drafted with their second pick in the first round. Not not the guy they took at number nine. I'm talking about outside pass rushers and the like. Their guy, Josh Sweat, is a guy who wasn't a high pick and was developed. Derek Bennett was a high pick, supposed to be what he was supposed to be, didn't quite achieve there. Hassan Reddick, a free agent acquisition. Speaking of player development, do we have faith that Mr. Smith from Georgia will be developed correctly and have that same kind of success other defensive edge rushers have had. I mean, to me, that's probably the biggest storyline going into the Eagles season this year. Is it not? You know, these young pieces on 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 the defense and the, and them converting the larger question of them converting these, you know, quote unquote, these we say that they won the draft on paper. Okay, well, Nicobe Dean and Jordan Davis have are basically just got their feet wet last year, and now you got two guys coming in who are rookies. I mean, that that to me is going to like be the pivot point on whether they they go back to the Super Bowl or not, or even you know have the run that they did. But that's four dudes that you're relying on this year. What's four divided by eleven? Like you know. 40 something percent of your, your defense, right. Or that's a ton of snaps for guys who are like still relatively green. Um, 
I don't have an answer to the question. That's why I'm sort of vamping here. But I, I would just say very generically that that's probably the number one focus for me is on those four guys is on the, is on the, the Georgia guys, you know, because that's a huge, that's a huge chunk of your defense. And as much as we like to say, Oh, they nailed the draft or these guys haven't done anything yet. I mean, really they have not. Yeah. Done I mean, last year, it, yeah, it's funny how quickly people forget, um, uh, 20 so 2022 draft there were five georgia defenders in the first round right mm-hmm. starting with trayvon walker who yeah. was number one overall pretty good player um but wasn't you know as splashy as say aiden hutchinson who went number two um jordan davis was next at 13 we know what he did here um then you got to go down to uh Devontae wyatt uh, quay walker uh, and Lewis Seen were all picked in the first round. Mm. None of them were. Uh, uh, you know, Walker was the best as number one overall, but yeah, you know, it's not like they're good. They're stars right away. Now that they, they yeah. might all become stars, to your point of player development, but the assumption that that you get a finished product. I think has become pervasive in sports as a whole. Uh, yeah, I mean they're very aren't they just <clears throat> excuse me, aren't they just very green in general on that side of the ball? I mean, Sean Sean Desai, first year with the Eagles, you know, these Georgia guys, Nicobe Dean, basically a glorified special teamer last year, Jordan Davis, who didn't play a, a ton of snaps relative to what you would expect from a first round pick, and then two rookies that you have on there. Um, you know, Brandon Graham's not getting any younger, right? The linebacker core is going to be brand new. Um, the, the corners are going to be your strength along with Hassan Reddick, but, you know, safety is interesting. So it's just a lot of question marks over there. You know, it, it's not, we had discussions. We talked about this on crossing broadcast where we were basically like, uh, you know, we talk about like theoreticals like DeAndre Hopkins, right? You know, it's like any single guy who gets released, you know, the article that goes up immediately is player player X got released. Yeah. Should the Eagles take a look yeah. at him? Right? Yeah. You know, it's like summer, summer fodder for people who don't have anything to write, you know? But we were talking about the concept of like, okay, the offense is already elite. Like what is the next step for adding another offensive piece? Could you go from elite to very elite? Or do you go from elite to like uber elite? You know, it's almost like, where do you reach the point, John McMullen, where you get diminishing returns on that scale of like how much more talent can you add on that side? But then you come back on the other end and you're like, look, you know, if they were in a shootout with the Chiefs and you think that the future of the NFL or winning is just going to be to win a shootout and just, you know, look at look at the way that the two Super Bowls that they played in turned out. I mean, the defenses got gashed. All four defenses got gashed in those Super Bowls. So, like, maybe you just say – these are the pieces we have on defense. We're going to put all our eggs in the offensive basket and just try to outscore everybody. Like, would we be surprised if the Eagles win a bunch of high scoring games this year? No, I mean, Jeffrey's talked about it. That's, you know, and look at the two Super Bowls. Uh, you, you've mentioned it. You're right in the past, Super Bowl 52. What's the difference between 52 and 57? The 52 defense made the one play, the 57 yeah. didn't. Uh, that's my did. that is my that is my takeaway line that I've been saying every for for the last four months now. Super Bowl fifty seven was Super Bowl fifty two without the strip sack. Right. Yeah. 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 That's all. all it was. Defense, I mean, they gave, all they gave up. They gave up more points. They gave more, yeah. They gave up more points and more yards. Yeah. Oh yeah. Super Bowl fifty two. I, I think I don't know what the mm. possession numbers or the time of possession was off the top of my head because the Jalen Hurts fumble kind of screwed all that up. You know that was an extra possession that the Chiefs probably should have had. But still, I mean, like the bottom line is Jim Schwartz, Matt Patricia, 
Spags and Jonathan Gannon, they all got cooked. Yep. No, Every so, single one of them. You know, and, and, and that's and why Schwartz was upset even after winning the game. He was upset. That's <laughs> why Derek Barnett's going to make the squad this year because he made that one play that you're talking about. On no, he's not. He's not going to make the team. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing at the comments, by the way, because I have my kitchen in the background. Yes, the 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 cabinets are like old fashioned wood. It's very nineties. <laughs> looks good. very nineties. Good on you. <laughs> it looks good from here. Um, so here's my question: Come down for both of you guys. Uh, who is going to coach um, Nolan Smith? Is it going to be Jeremiah Washburn or is it going to be DJ Elliott? Because John loves to get involved in this. That's company. not even a question. What, what is an edge guy? What is a linebacker? Linebacker coach, outside linebacker slash defensive man. Um, who is Smith going to be coached by? Is he going to spend any time in DJ Elliott's room or is it purely going to be with Washburn? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know. Have did were there any clues, John? At like OTA? Yeah, he's right? being coached by Jeremiah Washburn. There's no up the open ended. He's an edge rusher. Now, I, I was because we, um, you know, I, I think some fans get a little, you know, when you get from ninety to fifty three, as they always say. Now, you might have a bunch of injuries, so I'm not saying. If you're mid-season and two linebackers are hurt and you need somebody to play, Nolan Smith might have to play a little bit of all-ball linebacker. But they don't want him to play all-ball linebacker. And, you know, the best indication he is being coached by Jeremiah Washburn. I've already asked him that question. But um, two days after the Eagles ended um, uh, OTAs, he was out in Las Vegas at Von Miller's pass rushing camp. He's not at all Paul linebacker camp. He's trying to pick Von Miller's brain. Um, he is an edge rusher. I don't, I guess because he weighs 238 pounds. Um, people are having a difficult time accepting that. Hassan Reddick weighs 235. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. it, it, he is an edge rusher. Um, and the question is, you know, how do they develop him? And uh, they, we, we know how important the Eagles believe. They were trying to fix that fourth. Derek Barnett tours ACL week one in Detroit. The Eagles want to come at you in waves. They have, they have Reddick. They have Sweat. They have Graham. They have Barnett. And then they were trying. They tried Patrick, Patrick Johnson. They didn't love it. So they went out and traded for Robert Quinn. They want to come at you in waves. They now have that fourth pass rusher with Nolan Smith. And that's a luxury. They get to sort of, um, you know, he doesn't have to go and play and be impactful. He can play 20% of the snaps and get sort of up to speed. And if there is an injury, he'll be forced to play more. But I, why, why are people into this Nolan Smith at all, Paul? It's just because Nicholas Morrow stinks? Correct. And they say... That, that there's your answer, John. They're they're scared about Nicholas Morrow being the starter. But here's the thing, guys. Nicholas Morrow is a better off-ball linebacker than Nolan Smith is an off-ball linebacker. He's a better player. Now, Nolan Smith is a better edge rusher than Nicholas Morrow is an off-ball linebacker, but that's apples and oranges. If you're playing an off-ball linebacker, you're doing a disservice. Nicholas Morrow is better at that position. Is that hard for people to understand 
Well, I'm just yeah, glad that we have we have moved beyond the the banal three four versus four three oh, discussion and that I know that was one of your favorites, John. Yeah, I'm glad that we have that, that it's more mainstream to accept the uh, the idea of being multiple, you know, up front, you know, because it's just kind of like you know gotten rid of that like vapid kind of you know are they gonna play this way, they're gonna play that way. I mean, that's like commonplace now. Um, in the NFL, you know, I mean, I don't think anybody really does any team talk about base three, four, four, three anymore. I feel like that's we've kind of moved on from all that. No, it's five, no, five, I five mean, these five DBs are on the field uh, 90 percent of the time. How can either be a base defense? anymore? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, the Kobe yeah. Dean was the Eagles third linebacker last year. He played 34 snaps. <laughs> I mean, uh, he was their third linebacker. CJ uh, stayed healthy. Kaiser stayed yeah. healthy. He played 34 snaps and people are still talking. There are some people who still say four, three, three, four. That's how much he was on the field. And by the way, those 34 snaps were not as a third linebacker. They were just garbage time as one of the two linebackers. Yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't exist right. anymore. They're, they're, they're not a 4-3, and they're not going to be a 4-3 anytime soon. Um, KK, this is stuff that I'd usually see on your side. I didn't see it there between you and I. I didn't see it anywhere. I just wanted to know if you heard about it. Eagles put individual single-game tickets up on sale the other day at 10 o'clock in the morning. Do you know how long it took them to sell out? Less than an hour. Was it that? Oh, are you asking me if I know? Yeah, if you knew, yeah. Oh. No, I don't see, know. You didn't see it reported anywhere, did you? No, I can check. I do have a guy. I know a guy down there. I can ask. Um, okay. So we can maybe I can. That's a that's a good story idea. Maybe I'll I'll do that on a Friday while I'm sitting here icing my knee from the uh, charity charity game. Oh, icing the knee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the turf the turf is unforgiving, man. Yeah, it's like I. Oh, that turf is awful, dude. That turf is. Yeah. I mean, you can tell from watching Eagles practice just standing yeah. there. There is a huge <laughs> difference. From the grass to the bubble. That I, is, thought that, I, that I thought is. I was going to have to do a, uh, oh my God, what's the Ravens coach? A Brian Billick and reach down and pull up the, the turf. Oh, and I was, the I was on the field that night when he did <laughs> yeah. that. that uh, real quick, can I just say real quick, because now I moved back to the suburbs. And I grew up playing on grass. But when we were playing soccer leagues and everything else in the city, it's all turf. The difference between turf and grass cannot, cannot be like understated. It, it is that bad. Oh, yeah. So when you, when you hear these guys say that like they hate playing, I don't know, they, they don't like playing it like MetLife, right? Because of the, the turf on yeah, that, right? Yeah, it's terrible. That's yeah. that is like, absolutely like a real thing. It just you you don't have any like when I play on grass, I feel pretty good the next day, and I can do like pretty much anything. When I play on turf, like the recovery time is is almost double. Like I, you can feel it in your joints, like your knees especially, because there's no give. You know, you're coming yeah. down on like. You know, you got the grass and you got the like little rubber pellets and there's like a cushion underneath it, but underneath it's like like concrete. So there's yeah. no there's no give on that. And that's what so that's my my diatribe on that real quick. quick. Uh, it's a good diatribe. I agree with you a hundred percent. Now, last one for me at Kevin uh underscore Kincaid. Make sure you follow Kevin on Twitter at Crossing Broad. Uh, they do a tremendous job. Here's one I, I I've been meaning to run by you because I want your thoughts on this. Did Nick Sirianni do an okie doke on us and replace Shane Steichen and 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 Sean Desai uh, and Jonathan Gannon with two people? Because he has these new roles. He's got Marcus mm -hmm. Brady is the senior offensive assistant. Matt mm -hmm. Patricia is the senior defensive assistant. They mm -hmm. didn't exist before. Those roles on this staff didn't exist. 
Did he hmm. replace those guys with two people? And we just haven't figured it out yet. Well, that's interesting. Well, that would be different than what Doug did a couple of years ago where he just, he had like a, assistants, but no coordinators, right? Or what was the title of the primary? Yeah, office? he had Rick. Uh, that was the Rich Scanzarello sort of uh, era. That's, yeah. That, that's well. That wasn't a Doug choice. Uh, no, it was more of a rich, rich choice. Like rich. That was a mess. Well, well I, I need 45 minutes to <laughs> No, wait, we, we, it, but it was confirmed that Brian Johnson is calling plays, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's not, that's what I look at more than anything. I mean, the structure is the structure. I mean, at the end of the day, though, it's like it's all those guys are going to be involved with a collaborative game plan and what I mean to me. The most important thing is who's calling the plays, you know? All right. So, well, then yeah. I'll put it this way. Yeah. Is it an insurance policy? You know, because you yeah. have two unproven coordinators for the most part. Brian did yeah. it in college. Uh, Sean did it for one year in Chicago. Um, and all of a sudden, you have Marcus Brady, offensive coordinator in this league. Matt Patricia, longtime defensive coordinator, head coach. Yeah. Are those insurance policies in case the young guys with no experience can, hey, we got mm. we got a safety net? Yeah, that's a good way to think of it, you know? I mean, I'm sure that you are looking at things differently when you lose both of your coordinators in the same season, you know? Um, I, I think coaches are always, like, tinkering and thinking of structure, too, you know? I mean, that's been, like, a kind of a kind of a, a trendy thing in the last, like, five years or so is not to necessarily have, like, the traditional offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, but, but assign different roles to these guys. But, you know, it's hard for me to, like – I'm interested in that topic. It's always hard to talk about though, because like, unless you're in the building, unless you're part of like the, the game planning and the day to day, that kind of stuff, it's hard to talk about it with any kind of authority. You know what I mean? That's, that's why the Frank Reich and John Filippo thing killed me. It like took my soul over like for the five years that we were arguing about that because it's like, uh, like Frank Reich didn't call the plays. Right. So unless you were like, a, had a, unless you bugged that room and had like a, we were spying on them, like the NSA or something like that. Uh, or is it the TSA, the NSA, whatever it is? NSA. Unless you're like, yeah, unless you're like, yeah, yeah. Unless you're spying on them, or you were like a fly on the wall in that room. Like nobody was ever able to like quantitatively measure the amount of like the contribution that Frank Reich had to that. So when people had this take where they were like, well, it was Frank Reich and John D. Filippo, and Doug wasn't doing anything. Well, we, don't, we, I mean, there was never going to be any way to prove yeah. that or disprove that definitively. You know what I mean? Yep. So that's why it was always like a and. N slash A, not applicable for me. It's a good topic, John. I just don't, I'll be honest, I don't know yeah. what to. <laughs> what but to you say. know what? You know, I had a legit topic, as you say, if you've got uh, uh, ears behind closed doors and everything, and then, then you get the answer to those questions. If not, we're all outside yeah. speculating. I'll yeah. prove it to you, Kincaid. Who's the assistant head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles? Oh, I, I have literally? No it's Jamal Singleton, literally. Literally, uh, that's yeah. his title. There's only yeah. one assistant head coach of the Eagles, and it's the running back coach. And if I had given you five guesses, you might have gone five different directions before you got around to Jamal Singleton. But they so still have him doing read in between on the titles or whatever, and you just make yourself nuts. Yeah, I'd rather get a DSA yeah. mic in there and find out for myself with the conversations they're having. As well, actually, what is the power structure? Yeah, but you know, it's it's, it's funny, man, because like, what did assistant head coach do for Deuce Staley? You know, like he had to leave anyway. It's like when that's right. like my wife, my wife gets a promotion and they just like make up. I'm just using this as an example. They just make like make up a title. 
right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. you, we're gonna oh, give yeah. you. Like, what I do you want to? What do you? What do you want to be like? Uh, oh, we'll make you assistant vice president or something like that. There was a of. great. Uh, you're probably too young, Kevin, but there was a great. Are you a Cheers fan? You might have uh, have watched it on. Netflix. I'm old enough to have watched some of the show. I can't say it was on regular rotation. There was a great Cheers episode. I tell Jody all the time. The whole premise was it was a Rebecca one for those who like the show. The whole premise was um, all the employees were disgruntled. They all wanted raises. Rebecca couldn't give them raises, so she gave them titles, and they were all happy because they got <laughs> they got titles, made up titles. Carla was, you know, executive director of waitresses, yeah. things like that. So, yeah, was, that's what, what was, the NFL what was has done. With I forget what Woody was. I think what it was, was Woody's title. He was the most excited about yeah. his title. Yeah. yeah. My, t- my title is made up now because the company that owns us, when we sold Crossing Broad, we went to, we're, we're now owned by a company in the UK. And like, I think somebody came up to me and asked me, they're like, what do you want your title to be? And I was like, I, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Senior, senior blogger, I don't, you know, like senior, I think I'm senior managing editor is the name. Senior managing blogging editor yeah, yeah blogger blogger emerit- emeritus i don't know right, something like that but but again it goes to it, but it's it's interesting to think like i guess the question is like does it even matter you know because we need to have eyeballs and like ears well you know what i love what I, I remember talking to doug about deuce you brought up deuce as assistant head coach i remember asking him well what are his you know added roles more significant roles and he did mention that he let Deuce run the developmental program. Um, and mm-hmm. then I asked uh, Nick Sirianni um, sort of the same thing. I said, is, you know, does Jamal run the developmental program or anything of that nature? And Nick's more honest. He's like, no, no. no. <laughs> and Kevin no. Petullo um, was promoted to associate, associate head coach. Yes. Oh, okay. He's associate ahead of assistant. That's what we all inquiring minds want to know, John McMullen. Well, Nick flat out said, no, no added responsibilities. We just went basically it's just uh, you know no somebody somebody in the comments brought up the the uh the office thing, the assistant to the regional manager. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. With the, with the, the, <laughs> I don't know, it's just fine. Hey, can I ask you guys a question real quick or are we running out of time? No, here? we're running no, out ahead. of time, but go ahead and ask. Okay, did you guys come to a conclusion on what happened with the Gannon and Fangio thing, like what that timeline was? Like what the missing story out of nothing. Yeah. I mean, but, here, but here's, I never understood the thing I couldn't piece together was what was, what precluded uh, Fangio from joining the Eagles anyway. Cause he didn't go official with Miami until Gannon went official. No, with he didn't sign the contract. So my, my assessment was always, he already agreed to terms and uh, Jody and I discussed, he, he already agreed to terms with Miami yeah. uh, before the tampering aspect. My my assumption was Bix a professional. He's not going back on his word. Yeah. When he talked down in Miami, I assume you're talking about I cannot confirm or deny. Right. To me, he's saying, "Oh, well, maybe I would have screwed Miami," which makes him look bad because he could have reneged. But you're saying he just yeah. gave a ver- he ver- gave a verbal and he honored his. Yes. Commitment yep. to the- okay. Exactly. So to me, it's could he could he have pulled the Josh McDaniels? Yeah, he didn't yeah. sign the paper, so. He could have said, ah, I'm going to go to Philadelphia. Um, but it didn't change the thought process of, look, the Eagles thought Gannon was going to be back when he didn't get the Houston job. Mm-hmm. And when Arizona popped up, 
uh, which was later in the process, obviously, after the NFC Championship game. Um, when you remember, Jonathan did that interview where he said he's back, um, and then Arizona popped up. Vic had already agreed to become the coordinator in Miami, who, by the way, also made him the highest paid coordinator in NFL right. history. So, right. okay. yeah. Is he going to renege sense. on that? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And and Jeffrey might have just matched it, but I don't think Fangio ever gave him the chance. Uh, I just called him lead writer at Crossing Broad. If you want to know his title, don't look on his Twitter because he doesn't no. put his title down there. Uh, but you should read him and uh, be on his site all the time, Crossing Broad, one of the best. Here in Philly, Mr. Kincaid, congratulations on your superior touchdown run yesterday. If for no other reason, you got to go to his Twitter to see the touchdown. Yeah, I got to see the touchdown. And now you're paying for it. I still yeah, need I got to say, I was impressed. I, yeah, I know I'm uh, yeah. running the risk of getting his head a little swelled up here, but he looked pretty good turning and changing directions. Well, it was hey. a success. Like I said, I didn't get injured. Nobody else got injured. And uh, we raised, we, uh, I, I don't think I came across as too much of a hard ass. So we hit all three bullet points there. You know, very nice. KK, always <laughs> a pleasure. Thanks, brother. All right, see you guys. We'll get Thanks, Kevin Kincaid on again as the summer goes on here on Birds 365. Running a little late. Come back. We'll put a bow on the show. Stick around. run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island so leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at Drytech. 
At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. All right, appreciate everybody who streamed in today. Before you get out of Dodge, do us a favor, hit the like button, like, share, and subscribe. Give us a little help with our uh, a little love for the Birds 365 guys. Um, John, here's the one thing I would say today that we definitively established because we started with the most underrated player can take it in several different directions, depending on your definition. Here's one thing I think we can all agree on. Don't try and read between the lines with titles with the Philadelphia Eagles, because Nick Sirianni admits, assistant head coach, any head of responsibility? No. (laughs) Associate head coach, any head of responsibility? No. Howie Roseman doesn't give out the assistant general manager title for a decade, and then he gives it to the stats guy and the compliance guy? Are you kidding me? So if you try and figure out the Philadelphia Eagles via their titles, you're just banging your head against the wall. So don't even bother. Ask McMullen. He'll explain what everybody does. That's your best way to find out who does what with the Eagles these days. Uh, Good week, partner. I'll be here next week. How about you? Uh, Yeah, man. Uh, Successful. We're getting the people through the lull, Jody. I think we're doing a good job, too. We're trying. Uh, Yeah. Summertime is nice to not have to sweat, not have to be overly worried, but it can also be a bit of a chore to come up with good topics. We'll try again next week right here on Birds 365 in two and two days, that is. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.